Wearing this jersey, I just have this overwhelming sense to walk up to the stage and go, Omaha, 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 or hurry, hurry, hurry. If you're not a Bronco fan, it's just... And I have taken some grief about wearing this jersey this weekend because a lot of you are, are Bronco fans and you love the jersey, and some of you are not Bronco fans. But I've got something for both of you. For all of you who are Bronco fans, I'm wearing Peyton's jersey. If you're not a Bronco fan, you need to know this is the third week of the series, and everybody's jersey I've won so far is lost. I warned so, um, <laughs> I have a friend who's a new spring, he's a surgeon, he texted me after last, last night's service, he said, I hope the trim breaks, so maybe the trim will break. Uh, I will say this though, you know, our series is called Going Pro, the Playoffs, and, and three years ago we did a series on the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is God's book of wisdom, and I shared with you a couple weeks ago, I think about my grandfather who was on his deathbed, and when my dad and I went in to see him, my grandfather said to my dad, Wilfred, I've just now learned how to live and now it's time to die. Well, the great thing about Proverbs is Proverbs tells us how to live while there's still time to live. And so three years ago, I did a series on Proverbs, but a whole lot of Proverbs is in the form of what we would call antithetic parallelisms. Parallelisms in the sense that it's two statements side by side. Antithetic in the sense that it contrasts. It contrasts one way of life versus another way of life. So three years ago when I did the series, I thought, wow, I'd like to do a sequel to the series but I'd like to look at all these antithetic parallelisms about, and consider them as playoffs. Because as we know about the playoffs, only one team can advance. And I just think in a lot of our lives, there are going to be contests that play out. And there's going to be a winning side, and it's going to go in and advance. It's going to determine our characteristic and our personality. So I just thought playoffs would be a good title. Now, the reason I say all that is that I'm having to deal with one question over and over in this series. Three weeks into it, I had to answer it last night. Because people who know my history keep asking me, when are you going to wear a Dallas Cowboy jersey? Because you know my history coming from Texas, low these many years ago. I need to remind you the series is called Playoffs. <laughs> so they'll have to stay in the closet. Well, you know, this, this, we're at the point of the playoffs where we're at the conference championships. And usually you don't back into a conference championship game. These are hard-fought, slogged-out games. And today we've got two on tap this afternoon that are games to look forward to. Brady versus Manning. How does it get any better than that? And then you've got the defending NFC champion 49ers going into the teeth of Seattle to face the 12th man. So a couple of great games. And honestly, i got to tell you, I don't think that either, either game is going to be a runaway. These are going to be hard-fought games. And today, I want to talk to you and me about a game that's going to be hard-fought. It's going to be a challenging game. I want to talk to us about how we talk. See, the thing of it is, I think for most of us, we think that we have good days and bad days. We have days where we say the right thing and days where we say the wrong thing, and there's a measure of truth to that. But I think we tend toward one direction more than the other. See, I, I think we either tend to add to people when we talk, or we tend to subtract from people when we talk. All of us have our good and bad, but I think we tend in one direction or the other, because like the playoffs, when it comes to the way we talk, only one team will advance, and we're going to tend one direction or the other. So in today's talk, I'm just going to give you pretty much a list of what the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, God's book of wisdom, what it says about minus talkers 
and then what it says about plus talkers. But before I do, somebody could say, well, Mark, man, is talking all that important? I mean, after all, we live in the day of free and easy talk, talk radio, cable television, social media. We just have all these interchanges and exchanges, and there's just so many words. Somebody could say, well, Mark, I'm not really sure that talk rises to the level you know, to, to meet the threshold of whatever your standard is for the six things we're going to talk about during this series. Well, let me give you a couple things to chew on why, if you're considering that. First of all, in God's book of wisdom, Proverbs, 150 of the Proverbs deal with how we talk. So when God, when God gets down to cases about how to live, 150 times he talks to us about the way we talk. But in case that's not sufficient proof enough for you, let me give you a proverb maybe the best proverb of all about talk. And this is from Proverbs 18, verse 21, where the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now consider for a moment, realizing that God doesn't waste words, consider for a moment how short God could have stopped at that statement. He could have said, benefit and um, negative is in the power of the tongue. Or he could have said, help and hurt is in the power of of the tongue. But God went all the way to the extreme and said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death. You know, I remember my dad, when I was a, when I was a kid, my dad teaching me how to handle a couple of dangerous things. I remember my dad teaching me to shoot a gun for the first time when I was nine years old in, in my grandfather's pasture in Central Texas. And my dad explained some gun safety things to me. And then he said this to me before I fired the gun the first time. He said, remember this. He said, if you spill the milk, you can always wipe it up, but you can never undo what happens when you pull the trigger of a gun. My dad was teaching me how to handle something dangerous. When I was 14, he let me sit behind the wheel of the car and drive on a country road. And he explained to me that although it was fun to drive and it was a lot of, you know, it was something that would be needful throughout my life, that there was a certain danger associated with moving two tons along at 60 miles an hour. Well, my question for us is, who teaches us about how to handle our tongue? Who teaches us about how to talk? Who tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue and shows us what we should say and what we shouldn't say? Well, hopefully today, if you haven't caught it by now, today will be a refresher talk because in just a few moments, we're going to scroll through the book of Proverbs and we're going to see what Proverbs has to say about minus talkers and then we'll turn right back around and we'll scroll through what Proverbs has to say about plus talkers. But I'd like for you to chew on a couple of things before we get into that. In fact, these two preliminary considerations are so important that if you need to zone out for the rest of my message while you're working on these two, that's cool. The first thing I want to share with you today to be thinking about as we move into this idea of how important it is that we talk, I want, I want you to hear what Jesus had to say as he's coaching us up about talking. Jesus said, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the, and this is the really important word, treasury of a good heart. Man, I think Jesus just blows up what we tend to think. See, I think most of us think this. When I speak, I'm in the moment. If, if I'm in a moment with a positive stimulus, I'm going to say something positive. If I'm, if I'm in a moment with a negative stimulus, I'm going to say something negative. If somebody hurts me, I'm going to say something painful. If somebody is doing something good for me, then I'm going to have an exclamation of joy. That's what we think. We think we're in the moment. And yet Jesus said it's, it's not like that at all. He said there is a treasury. There is a surplus inside of our heart. And what we say comes out of that. 
And it was really easy for me to say, well, I was mad, so I said something hurtful. But Jesus said, that's not what happens. He said, you know, if you say things that are hurtful and mean and unkind. and un See, people do that because inside their heart is things like anger and unforgiveness and malice and racism. And we, we just have a whole culture that is so free saying things. And people say, oh, I was, I, I, I was motivated to say it. But really, Jesus is saying, no. If you have a surplus of good things, good things are going to come out. If you have a surplus of bad things, bad things are going to come out. Well, think about that one for a few moments. The second thing is a lot more personal. I'd like for you to think for just a few moments about the words that were said years ago in your life that have changed the course of your life. For many of us, there are some painful words that were said to us when we were young. I know people who are 45 and 50 years old who are successful at what they do, but they still hear the echoes of something that someone said, maybe a dad or a mom said, hey, you can't do that. And they've spent their whole life proving that they can do it. How many of us are working through words that were said years ago, words like dumb, slow, fat, ugly, clumsy? I don't counsel much anymore, but back in the day I counseled, and I remember talking to ladies who had a fine appearance, but when they were young, some woman in their life, maybe a well-meaning grandma or maybe a competitor on the, you know, in, in school said something um, reproachful about a particular aspect of her appearance, maybe her hair, maybe her eyes. And I've talked to them years later, and it's like they feel like the ugliest person in the world because when they look in the mirror, all they can see is that aspect of their appearance that someone has ripped, and the rest of us are looking at them thinking, that's a very attractive person. How many of us are still working through something someone said to us a long time ago that in a negative or adverse way changed the course of our lives? Well, let's talk about the other side of that. Who was it in your life who spoke the words who changed the course of your life that opened the door to something that you didn't dream was possible for you? I know if you've been at New Spring a long time before, you've heard me tell this story, but every time I talk about life and death being in the power of the tongue, I can't help but tell the story of my life when I was 12 years old. You, you know, guys, after pastoring 36 years, 29 of them almost here at New Spring, I've spoken thousands of times around the world. But you should know when I was a kid, I was the shyest kid you ever saw in your life, and my number one fear was having to make a speech. And I was so shy, I remember my parents when I was 12 years old, we, we, we were in an old section of Fort Worth, they took, they took me to a drugstore, and there was a soda fountain in the drugstore. For everybody under 45, that is a prehistoric fast food restaurant. And I still remember going in there, and I was so shy. This is a fact. I had a hard time stammering out that I wanted a cheeseburger and a Coke. I went home that night, and, and that was like the end of the school year of my seventh grade. And, and I, for the first time, we were, we were, we were given an opportunity to, to choose electives. And before that, my curriculum had always been chosen for me. But we were allowed to choose two electives. And I remember looking down, I was sitting in my bedroom looking at that list and thinking, there was speech, and I thought, you know, when you can't order a cheeseburger, you probably should take speech. And so I signed up for speech. All summer long, I'm thinking, Hoover, you fool, why did you sign up for speech? They're going to make you give a speech. 
And sure enough, I go in there on the first day of class, and this is more than you want to know about me, but I, I went to public school all 12 years in Fort Worth, but it was kind of an interesting situation because the largest Southern Baptist seminary in the world is in Fort Worth, Texas, on the east side, and I grew up on the east side. So a lot of the teachers who taught me from the first grade on were wives of seminary students. And it turned out when my speech teacher was a mid, lady in her mid-30s whose husband was a doctoral student at Southwestern Seminary. Her name was Mrs. Williams, and she was just the kind of person, the kind of teacher who just didn't blow sunshine at you. And so <laughs> I thought, wow, this is terrible. I'm in a class with a really blunt lady, and she's going to make me give a speech. And sure enough, she said on the first day of, first day of class, she said, everybody's going to give a speech. You need to write your life story, which is kind of interesting when you're 12 years old, writing your life story. She says, you're write your life story, and then you're going to stand up and read it. Oh, man. First day of class, you know, there's always the kids. They call me, call me, call me. I wasn't one of those kids. I'm the kid sitting in the back of the room hoping I can just somehow morph into the drywall. And then the second day, there was the kids, you know, that gave their speech. The third day, I knew I was dead. There just weren't enough kids. And I turned out to be, I think it was the last kid. And I, I can still see that moment because I had my speech and I had wired it up, you know, and rewritten and wired it up. And so, you know, I'm standing there holding the paper and I'm reading my speech. Just saying, well, Lord, let me get through this, please. And I finished my speech. And all of a sudden there was silence. There was silence for about 10 seconds. And Mrs. Williams locked eyes with me and said, Mark. You're good. I did everything you could do in speech that year. I was the lead in the play. I, I did the announcements every morning on the intercom. <laughs> That's a fact. It so challenged me that I spent the next four years, every year I was in speech, speech forensics debate. When I graduated from high school, I left a lot of hardware in our school's trophy case. And you know, of course, what I wound up doing with my life. Do you know, if she had made fun of me that day, I don't think I would have ever made another speech. If she had cut me down, I don't think I would have ever done. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing here today. I'm and I've looked her up for years trying to find her. She's probably in heaven somewhere. But I would love to say to that woman who talked to a 12-year-old boy and said, Mark, you're good. Was it true? Probably not. But she made me believe it was. See, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Well, that's not even into the sermon yet. That's just the introduction. I just want you to think about those two things <laughs> while we go into the sermon. See, here's the deal. I think all of us tend, and we all do some plus talking and minus talking. Yeah, I know that. I just think we tend to be in one of those places or the other. Now, I know if you're a new springer, you're a plus talker. But just in case, let's go through the book of Proverbs real quickly and see what tends to contribute to a minus talker. And by a minus talker, I mean this. Do you know anybody in your life that when you see them coming and you know you got to have a conversation with them, you think, man, when this conversation is over, I'm going to feel like my emotional pocket's been picked. Am I, is, it, is it just me? It's like, I, don't, I just, every time I feel like, every time I talk to her, I feel like I've just been robbed. And yet on the other hand, there are people that when you talk to them, it's like, wow, it's like you're walking away with this gift. That's what we're talking about today. What's a minus talker? What contributes to being a minus talker? Well, scrolling through the book of Proverbs, we get some coaching. Number one, minus talkers tend to talk too much. Just the more we say, the greater likelihood it is. You know, wonder what our talk would be like if we had a limit on words. 
You know, suppose, suppose we can only say 100 words a day. This is a terrible joke. It's not even funny. I don't know why I'm telling it. When I was in college, I remember one of my professors told me a joke. He said, he said there was a guy who went to live in a monastery, and he was told, you can't say anything for 10 years. Vow silence. But after 10 years, you can say two words. And then you go back for 10 years, you're silenced, and you come back and say two words. That's the rule here. So he goes, he sits in silence for 10 years. He comes out, and he says his two words. They're all gathered to hear his words. His words were, bed hard. <laughs> goes back into seclusion, silence for 10 years. Really bring him out and say, okay, what's your two words? He said, food stinks. <laughs> he goes back for 10 years, comes back after 10 years and says, I quit. <laughs> and the head monk said, well, you haven't done anything but complain ever since you've been here. <laughs> so, I don't even know why I tell us. I'm funny. If we were limited on words, maybe we would be more careful what we say. But the problem is that words are free. Words are cheap. And then on top of that, hey, in the age you and I live in, the age of, of social media, words can even be anonymous at times. And that's where it really gets deadly. You know, the thing about it is, and, and, and first of all, let me just read with the Proverbs so that you'll know what I'm talking about, about too many words. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 19, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Thank you, Bible. Tell us what you really think. Um, Proverbs 17, 27, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent with their mouth shut. They seem intelligent. Proverbs 13, 3, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Well, why are all those verses true? Because after all, speech is a blessing. I mean, what was my problem in, when I was 12 years old? I had a hard time expressing myself. And, and, and speech is wonderful. We're all glad that we have the opportunity to be able to share our feelings. But therein lies the problem because, see, there are emotions that can cloud our feelings, skew our feelings. And if we talk too much, we can wind up talking before we refine our actual feelings, and we can wind up communicating that we feel things that we don't even feel. How many of you are in a relationship or you've been in a relationship and you found yourself saying something that 24 hours later you're thinking, what was I thinking? And you wound up communicating something that's not your real feeling, but for a brief moment it was skewed by guilt or anger or fear or hurt. So that's why it's important not to talk too much. It's important for us to think about what we really think and can communicate our real feelings. The second problem with minus talkers, and we all know this one, minus talkers tend to hurt people. Let me read two verses to you. Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks. And Proverbs 14, 21, I'm cherry picking here, but this expression appears quite a bit. It is a sin to belittle. What does it mean to belittle someone? It means you shrink them. Why do people do that? Why do people cut others? Why do people belittle? I'm going to help some of you right now. Not that I'm smart, just this is going to be helpful because it'll help, help some of you understand what you're dealing with. I'm going to talk to a lady here today, and you don't know why your husband is just always cutting you. Why is he always cutting? Why is he 
It's not, it's not just that he's unhappy. It's personal, cutting things, things about your appearance, things about, you know what I'm talking about. Why does he do that? Real easy. He feels small. He has to cut you down, belittle you, so that he will be at eye level, or better yet, be just a little below you. And so he cuts. He cuts not because, you say, well, my husband inferior? Yeah. Well, he doesn't think he is. Yeah, he does. Sir, do you know why your wife, if you're here like this today, do you know why she cuts you down all the time? Do you know why she's always taking every opportunity to poke a hole in your ego? Why does she belittle you? Because she's insecure. She feels small. And because she feels small, she's got to shrink you. See, great people don't have to do that. Great people never have to be little. People who are achievers, people who accomplish great things, they never have to cut anybody down. They're too busy. Well, let's move on. Number three, not only do they cut people down, they tear people down to others. We have a word for this, don't we? We call it gossip. Hey, where, where you work or your group or your family, do you know anybody who's a gossip? Help me with this. I've, I've always wondered about this. How is it that the people who gossip always get it? I mean, they always, they always manage to get the gossip. They, they get the dirt. I, I never get, nobody ever tells me anything like that. I just always wonder, how do the gossips always get their material? But they do. In fact, the Bible talks about that. The, the Bible says, Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars play close, pay close attention to, to slander. <laughs> I've actually had people come to me and say, oh, I just don't understand, Mark. People just bring stuff to me. Well, you know, we don't put trash in our salad bowl because we get salad out of it. We don't put trash in our nice dishes. We put potpourri and, and flowers in it. We, we put our trash in the trash can because that's where it's dumped out. So if somebody brings trash to you, you must look like a trash dump to them. <laughs> See, nobody takes gossip to the CEO because she's busy. I mean, nobody takes gossip to the lead partner, stuff to do. See, gossip is not something that top producers do because they're too busy with life. They're too busy making stuff happen. Gossip is done by little people who have little thoughts. I meant for this to come later in the message, but when I was a young man, I had a professor who taught me a formula that I've watched be true in my life. Great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about things. Weak minds talk about people. One more time. Great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about things. Weak minds talk about people. All right. Number four. Minus talkers can sometimes be whining. Now, ladies, Proverbs is written by a man. It could just as easily have been written by a woman. So you're going to need to reverse the gender here because it works both ways. Let me just read what he said. Proverbs 27, 15, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind. Since we're from Kansas, I thought that one would work, right? 
Have you ever met a whiny person? Shutting them off is like stopping. You ever see a whiny? You know, here's the thing. I'm not talking about people who have a problem because the irony is there are people I know who have all kinds of problems and they're full of joy. On the other hand, there are people I know that drive fine cars, live in nice homes, enjoy wonderful health, and they're always whining about everything in the books. Solomon was writing one day. I guess his wife was whining while he was writing because he said in Proverbs 21.9, It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. <laughs> but she must not have stopped. She must have kept at it because 10 verses later, he wrote, It is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome complaining wife. And all the ladies here said, it ain't any fun living with a whiny man either, right? Just whininess. There are people who, and sometimes I've noticed intelligent people fall into this one. There are people who just like to argue. They just like to start arguments. You, you, tell, them, you tell them it's up, they think it's down. I mean, they just argue for the sake of argument. I've had people tell me that. I just do that. I'm thinking, you do other stupid things? Listen to what the Bible says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And guys, remember this. All of us have friends, and it's a challenge. See, here's the thing. Oh, goodness, I don't have time to say this. One of the things that's interesting to me in our social media age is I'll meet somebody, and they'll say, Hey, Mark, I reconnected with somebody I haven't seen in 30 years, and we just picked right up where we left off. Yeah, that's because you haven't had 30 years to annoy each other. You have a friendship that lasts 30 years. That's something special. See, all of us are going to be challenged from time to time being in close proximity with family and friends, and yet it's important not to be argumentative. The Bible says an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends. Hey, listen, from time to time, i just not happy with a friend, but I have to ask myself the question, is it more important to win the argument or is it more important to retain my friend? Well, let's go talk about plus talkers. That's you and me. That's people that add value. Yeah, they have bad days. Every once in a while they say something true, they catch themselves gossiping. But I'm talking about people that on the whole they bring. They, they're the people that bring value. And clearly the Bible is telling us that's what we should be. In, in Ephesians 4 verse 28, 29, the Bible says, Do not use harmful words. You know, every once in a while I see a product in Mary Alice's, you know, kitchen that just says, do not use. You ever see a product that says, do not use? Well, go home today and take all your harmful words and put them in safety containers and write the words, do not use. Do not use. You say, Mark, are you telling me that I can't use harmful words because I won't even be able to get my kids' attention if I can't say harmful words. Or my husband just will not understand me clearly if I don't say harmful words. No, that's what the Bible says. Do not use harmful words. Are, are you saying that I can only use positive things, mm -hmm. but only helpful words? The kind that build up and provide what is needed so that you will say what you say will do good to those who hear you. I love the paraphrase of the message. Say only what helps. Look at this expression. Each word 
a gift. Hey, you up for an exercise? You up to try something? Pick a day this week. I don't know if you want to try it on Monday or not, but uh, may as well start. Pick a day this week, mark it on your calendar, and start the day saying, nothing but helpful words today. Only words that are gifts. Now, here's what's weird. You're going to say to yourself, wow, that would be really hard. You know what the irony is going to be? About an hour and 45 minutes in that day, you're going to find yourself having a wonderful day because there's something about helpful works, words that change the emotional chemistry, the emotional climate. You say, well, Mark, I might wind up saying something positive to a jerk. Okay, yeah, that happens. <laughs> but I promise you, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a loss you can afford. Well, let's go real quickly into plus talkers. I think the first thing they do is they ask God for help. Because the Bible says this in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I don't know about you, but keeping track and keeping charge of my mouth is more than a one-person job. I don't know if it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes more than Mark to control his mouth. So I need God's help, right? Ask God for help. Great prayer. Number two, think carefully. A truly wise person uses few words. Proverbs 15.28, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. My closest friend in our staff is our executive pastor, Billy Poor. And Billy and I have talked together thousands of times over the last 20 years. I can't tell you how many, I, I, I sit down with Billy and I, I can't tell you how many times I ask for his counsel on something. I don't think I've ever asked Billy a question that there's not a pause. He's thinking. He wants to give me his best advice. And so the Bible is saying, it's a great thing. Pray about what you say and then think about what you say. Hey, number three, real quickly, is there anybody in your life, maybe you go to lunch with them, maybe you have a conversation at lunch, maybe you just have a conversation with them at the office or whatever, but is there anybody in your life that after you talk to them, you think, I want to be a better person, I want to read more, I want to, I want to, I want to risk more? Is there anybody like that in your life? I mean, they may, not even, they may not even say anything to you about it, but just listening to them talk makes you want to achieve more and do more. Hey, that's what plus talkers do. Plus talkers inspire. Listen to this. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. Hey, I want to be that kind of talker. I want to be the kind of talker that when I talk to people, it's like, wow, you know what? After I talk to Mark, I'm ready to go out and charge hell with a squirt gun. I mean, I, I just... <laughs> I want to be that kind of talker. And by the way, the kind of people who talk and make us want to do great things, remember my little formula, great minds talk about ideas, average minds talk about things, weak minds talk about people. I know in my life all the people that make me want to be better, these are people that are talking about ideas. You know, you sit around the table and they're saying, yeah, what if? I think there's a better way to do this. Number four. Plus talkers encourage. Proverbs 10.21, uh, the words of the godly encourage many. Proverbs 12.25, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Now, here's the deal. You and I have heard the word encourage so much that I think we might be a little bit tone deaf to what it really is saying. What does it mean to encourage someone? Well, let's work with the anonym first. 
What, what happens to you? What happens to you when you, when you remember what the exercise that I had you do at the beginning of the message when I asked you whose words changed the course of your life, and I said, who said something negative to you that hurt you? What, what happens when somebody tells you that you're dumb or lazy or fat or stupid or you're never going to be successful? Because here's the thing. All of us need to risk in order to be successful. I mean, no, nobody is successful by, by sitting in, a, in, a, in an easy chair and vegging. Success comes by taking risk and, and pushing to the, to the limit. And so we're all to that place where we're putting our foot out ready to take that risk and we're just about to take it, but we're scared a little bit. And then somebody comes along and then just cuts our heart out. What does it make you want to do when somebody discourages you? It just pulls the courage right out of you. It's like, well, I don't, if I'm ugly, then I don't even want to try. If I'm dumb, I don't even want to try. If I'm a loser, why would I ever want to try? Well, then what would encouragement be? Encouragement would be to infuse somebody with courage. See, that's what Miss Williams was doing with me when I was 12 years old. She was infusing courage in me that is still in me today. See, that's the thing. You and I don't understand the power of words. I mean, in a lot of us, you say, well, who do I go to encourage? Well, if you're a mom or dad, chances are that person that you can encourage is running around your house. I mean, maybe for a change, you might not tell them that they're stupid. Maybe they just don't do tests well. Maybe that woman that you need to tell is awesome is about an inch and a half away from your shoulder right now. Or the man that you need to tell is the hero of your life is right at your elbow. See, plus talkers in courage. And you knew I was going to get here in closing. Plus talkers are kind. Have you ever stopped to realize it doesn't cost anything to be kind. You don't have to plunk down your debit card to be kind. Anybody can be kind. I mean, the Bible says this in Proverbs 12, verse 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 16, 23, from a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Now, look at this. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. Now, the Bible doesn't waste words there. The Bible says kindness has a beneficial effect to people. It has a beneficial psychological effect. It's got a beneficial physical effect. Hey, I want everybody I love to be healthy. Hey, and this is, I don't want to get off on a sidetrack. Is it just me or do we have more emotional disorders today than we've ever had before? And yet, isn't it true that we have less civility today and less kindness than in our grandparents and great-grandparents' age? You want your kids to be healthy? You be kind. Because it'll affect their psychological health. And even will affect their physical. You want your wife or your husband to be healthy? You're kind. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. How about we go out and spread some life today? Thanks for being here. God bless you soon.